2: What's good? What's going on? Welcome back to another episode of the Hogs Haven Podcast, powered by SB Nation. You can find us at Hogshaven.com, at HogsHaven on Twitter and on Facebook. I am your host, Molly Maul, Jamal Force. You can find me on Twitter at maul Tell it. Do not forget the you. On the show today, uh just a quick conversation, man keep this conversation going about the Washington Commanders during the bye week. Um Craig Hoffman of the team 980 and 1067 the fan was able to join me for a good 20 25 minute conversation um to really kind of encapsulate the Washington Commander turnaround as we head into this bye week and uh, give a little foreshadowing of, of what we can expect when they come out of the bye week. Um I don't think the, like the conversation of the tie itself, like tying against New York wasn't really at the top of our heads when we were talking, just overall play. um, And and obviously Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke started out the conversation. It was a really good one. Um, And I guess I got to preface the conversation by letting everybody know. Um, I think, um we uh me we meaning Craig and I was able to really kind of try to poke through some of the holes and arguments of both sides um or that's kind of the way I was trying to present the conversation and uh Craig did a really good job explaining why he felt um blank quarterback should be the starter for Washington I I don't want to spoil the conversation but you kind of get an understanding of where he is and, and why he thinks this quarterback is the best one for Washington moving forward uh, while also laying out the pros and cons of both. Um, So I think that was a really good conversation. And obviously uh, we talk about some of the the key turnarounds and what's, what's going on with Scott Turner and how he was really able to effectively turn around the output of this offense for the better. Now, granted output is, is kind of (laughs) met with uh, quotations in a limited Um, meaning as well because it's not like they're putting up 30 points a game or having 400 yards a game it's it's very limited on that side of the football but um, I think he's very much aware of where his offense is from an offensive line slash quarterback perspective Um, outside of that we were able to get into some other conversations as well just stemming from you know the strengths of this team obviously the defense um, some things that's that's missing some things that uh, is really going to possibly hinder Washington from really competing down the line. And I think offensive line was a really good conversation. Uh, but uh, with all that being said, uh, I, I don't want to hold the conversation any further. Um, we can go ahead and get right into it. There's really no major updates from the team, obviously, given the bye week. You don't really have an injury report moving forward. You probably won't get that until next week. Um, however, uh, you know, is it's, it's, conversation has never stopped rolling. So with that being said, we're going to go ahead and get right into that conversation with Craig Hoffman and myself. Um, We'll try to get some more guests and continue to get some more guests throughout this upcoming week as well for the show. Um, So, yeah, take it easy. Stay safe, as always. Um, And and do me a favor, man. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't. Uh, Give us a rating if you can. Um, We definitely appreciate that. So, yeah, take care and see you next time. Peace. Joining us right now is... The good man Craig Hoffman, once again, if you don't know him, uh, you can find him on the team, 980, 3 to 6 p.m., um, you know, talking the same thing we about to talk about today, uh, like I said last time as well, on Sunday's game day uh, on 106.7, I believe, uh, talking with the good man Logan Paulson as well. Um, check out their podcast, Manitaker Man podcast. Uh, it's in my daily rotation. Make sure you got it in yours as well. Craig, how you feeling today, boss?
3: I appreciate that, Jamal. Uh, feeling good, man. Feeling good.
2: Ah, that's good. Um, You look a little tired, though. I, I feel like you got you, – you've you yeah, been, on, I haven't you been had, on
3: the run this morning, huh? Yeah, literally. Uh, got a little workout <laughs> in. Haven't had the coffee yet. So, uh, I'll, I got I got it, though. I got the energy. We're, we're good to go. Let's talk some ball. That'll, that'll fuel me up. What's better than caffeine? Talking a little that- ball. We'll, but, we'll you know, i'm gonna tell, go. i'm gonna
2: tell, i'm gonna tell you this right now it's okay to say you're tired i'm tired <laughs> every single i'm tired That's, every single day like, de- you know? death to hustle culture <laughs> absolutely all right um so i guess last time we talked man uh this team clearly was going uh in in the wrong direction and they were sinking very fast um i guess the the layup the softball question uh just to catch up uh for the people who did listening and who are listening to hogs haven is Um, how did they turn things around in your opinion?
3: I mean, they found an identity, I think is the simplest way to put it. They found a way to play and some basic things that they could hang their hat on that have been really successful for them. Uh, And that coincided with the quarterback change uh, because this quarterback is better at executing that game plan than the previous one was. Uh, But it also helped out their defense. Their special teams has been mostly very good. Um, And so they've been better by design or by trickle-down in all three phases after finding this identity of, we're going to be a run-first team. That running game is going to be based off a duo Uh, that duo act—you know—halfback dive for anybody who plays Madden, right? Is (laughs) is gonna then translate into us actually having a play-action game when they previously did not have an effective one at all, and that has completely transformed their season. Um, they also like the other thing about it though is it's not like they're completely different. Um, you know, Ron loved to say early in the season, Oh, we're so close. They're still so close. They're just on the other side of close. They're, they're, they're walking the tightrope very well, as opposed to early in the season where they were, they were falling off a whole bunch.
2: Yeah, I think, um, that's, that's very interesting. Just understanding, like they're still in the middle of the pack. And, um, I think as you said, Ron recognizes it. Uh, there's a lot of people who believe that, you know, when you when you just look at their situation altogether, that some people believe that there's a chance with this current setup and and that winning 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 games right now is sustainable in the way in which they are. Um, I'm not so sure that this is going to happen because there are going to be certain situations where um, you're asking a team who lives and dies by like. Running the football, extending drives, time of possession, but then when you see a game in which the New York Giants, uh, you're on the road in the New York Giants and you have some penalties that were. I, I'm not even going to get to the officiating thing. Skip past that part. But some of the legitimate <laughs> penalties yeah. that hurts your drive right. uh, and hurts your drives that completely knocks you out of out of out of out of, uh, out of sequence. And, and all of a sudden you're facing a third and 16 or, or third and 13 or third and 21 or second and 16 and, and these things just knock you back and they never really and and besides the fact that I over I, I didn't even mention that you miss opportunities in the red zone I think to what you're saying like when we say is this sustainable I think all it takes is those type of games to really realize that their margin of error is very little especially on one particular side of the football
3: right so there's kind of two discussions that are happening simultaneously here they're simultaneously here one, what's the best thing for this season? And then there's two, like, what is the best thing long term? And the answers are complete opposites. Because for this season, the answer is continue to do what you're doing, at least in my opinion. And the reason is if you think like third and 15 is bad, wait till you see what happens when Carson Wentz is quarterback and gets sacked Ooh. with the frequency. Okay. Because this, uh, and it, it, like, that's a little bit on Carson, uh, maybe even like a mid level on Carson. But the offensive line is not very good, and Taylor elevates them immensely with his mobility and his quick decision-making. The ball doesn't always get completed, but an incompletion is better than a sack. And if you look at a game like they had on Sunday, look some of those sacks, and Logan did a really good job on our podcast of breaking them down, some of those Taylor probably could have helped out a little bit, um, which is one of the first times this season that that's really happened where he's actually caused some sacks. But we're talking seven, eight sacks probably if Carson's in, in the game on Sunday. Um, so that's that's part one. Part two of that is the long term, which is obviously he's not the answer um, for all the reasons that you said and the fact that they've invested so much in their passing game receiving wise that you've got to get a quarterback who can better get these guys the ball, which would involve playing a different style. Um, and by the way, I don't know if the head coach is fully on board with that, so that's that's going to be like an interesting thing moving forward. Obviously, they want the quarterback, but is Ron ultimately always going to pull back and want to run the football a little bit more and, and have kind of this old school style? But for this season, mm-hmm. I still think that the best thing you can do for this team is elevate the defense to its highest possible form, and that involves running the ball, leading the league in time of possession, which they're doing. Um, you know, it, you got to cut down the penalties, obviously. But I think that they're they've proven they're capable of that, and the defense will step up and make the plays necessary. And if you tried to try to be more aggressive offensively, you would lose more in specifically the turnover area than you would gain, and what you lose on defense than what you gain in pass pass game production and, and point total.
2: So I, I want to I, I got one thing with this offensive line, and, and you you raised a good point, and, and something that I actually said. Earlier today, if not yesterday, um, and and my thing is Tyler Larson kind of brought some stability for this this interior front, and 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 I I like Tyler Larson the way he played to this point, and obviously going down with injuries going to change some things. Who knows what's going to happen with Wes Schweicher being back? I can't call it, um, but uh, I think Nick Martin um, is also a center still, and I think obviously with Carson um Nick Martin was a guy who played a few games I don't have the numbers in front of me but he played a few games with Carson um after uh Chase Rullier went down and, and Schweitzer went down and, and and I don't like I mean for obvious reasons the, the offensive line is not good it's not good now and it wasn't good with Tyler Larson like the pressure was still giving up but it was some type of stability it gave it gave Taylor Heineke some chance back right. there it was enough um, it was a, it was enough. And, and that's where you're able to see the mobility from Taylor, not necessarily scrambling, but able to uh, maneuver in the pocket and extend plays like uh, something that he's just he just does instinctively and, and has that good feel in the pocket. And I think when you look at this offensive line and the injuries that's facing him right now, or the injury concerns that's facing him right now, I don't know that mobility is going to matter as much. Because, like, again, he, he got five sacks, and I haven't listened to the, the podcast yet. Um, so I'm going to figure out what Logan is saying. But if he's saying to an extent that Taylor could have helped him out, my thing is, you're going up against Dallas at the end of the season, you're going up against San Francisco in a couple weeks, you got the Giants right, like, the very next game that you play. I don't know how much that mobility factor really means much anymore when I consider the fact that this offensive line is dealing with some injuries yet again. Um, So I'm not saying that there's no answer at quarterback. I'm just saying it kind of opens up the playing field in terms of like the, the conversation of what can you do and does his mobility really mean so much for this offense right now?
3: So it's, there's two parts, or I guess three parts of the answer. The first part is the offensive line, then there's the mobility, then there's the other stuff that I think Taylor does better than Carson. Um, so part one would be, yeah, they need Trey Turner or Sam Cosby to be all right at right guard. so Schweitzer can play center because Nick Martin at center has been a... Yes, he you know, ain't he's, it. He's, he's, he's not <laughs> had a it. good year. That's the same he's, word. He's, he's started a lot of NFL games. I always try to be respectful of guys in the league because they're clearly... I mean, he's clearly one of the best, I don't know, 45 yes. centers on earth. Um, but like that's not good enough in the NFL uh, when you need to be one of the best 25. Um, so that's that's the Nick Martin story. And hopefully Turner or Cosme can get back... Or you know the other thing that's kind of floating out there. What if they put Chris Paul in? Um, Logan keeps saying everyone in the building, it. everyone in the building really likes him. Like let's put him out there and then and then put Schweitzer at center. I think that could be a potential possibility as well. Um, the mobility factor for Taylor, yes. If you're giving up instant pressure, the ability to run out of it is mitigated. Unless you're like Kyler Murray. Kyler has the ability to catch the snap, see pressure, and Sonic the Hedgehog his way out of the pocket. <laughs> Um, I don't know why. Just when he runs, it always to me reminds me of Sonic the Hedgehog. The little legs just, just Look,
2: go. I just think about the little baby or the kid running away from the parent. They say it all the time. It's, <laughs> it's whatever. Except for it's the fastest kid that's ever lived. Um, uh-huh. and and so
3: you know that part of it, yes. But what are other ways mobility can affect that? Well, you can move the pocket, and you can yeah. do some things that that perhaps. Taylor is a little more comfortable with throwing on the run, some of the boot action, some of that stuff. Where Carson can do it, but maybe Taylor's a little better suited for it. Um, But the third thing is actually the most important. It's not that Carson is just immobile. It's that Carson doesn't throw the ball as consistently while he's getting hit. He's more likely to turtle up and take a hit, which can be good. Like you, you know, some of these fumbles and uh, you know, balls that pop straight up in the air and are, are turnover worthy plays. Like sometimes you need to eat the football and Taylor's not always the best at that, but there's so many throws on Sunday. When you go back and watch the tape that he's getting drilled as he throws. And I think those are sacks. If, if Carson's in there, and so I would rather have Taylor getting the ball out and Taylor's a faster processor in this offense because he just knows yeah. it better. Unless Carson has been able to watch Taylor play and, and really figured some things out. That's always the thing in the back of my mind is like, well, what if what if Carson's mental acuity has caught up to Taylor's? Well, then it's, And
2: for the record, that's where I'm at. I, I, that's yeah. why I lean Taylor in this whole conversation, because I don't lean trust Taylor, Taylor or lean Carson. Up. You don't know lean-
3: Carson's has, has caught up.
2: Yeah, I don't think Carson is caught up. So right. that's that's my main thing Same. that holds me back. Is like If I thought or if I had confirmation that he's caught up, then I'm like, okay. Fine. I give, I give
3: Carson. 100%. But the problem is his processing speed, Carson's processing speed, is not as fast as Taylor's. And so Taylor's going to know where to go with the football against pressure and get it out where Carson's going to be like, uh-uh, sack. And until that's not the case, with this offensive line built as it is, like, what you gain, quote-unquote, because it's not like they haven't had chunk plays. Like, yeah, they're not going to have the 65-yard ball through the air to Deami Brown, but, like, okay, give me the the consistency to Terry. I mean, that's the biggest thing that's changing this offense is uh, this quarterback, Taylor, throws the ball to your best player more often than the other guy. That's a good enough reason to start him for me, like, especially when that dude's Terry McLaurin. Like, he's incredible. They paid him $70 million for a reason. Um, so th- there's just, it's, it's multifactorial, but pretty much everyone outside of like, Hey, two times a game, Carson can throw it really far, um, favors Taylor. And, and I think that just because the natural, the, the, the physical ability, if you will, of Carson is tempting doesn't mean it actually is going to play out that way. And specifically with this O-line, um, you need you need that mental processing speed now. To to give a quick preview of what Logan was talking about, like Wink Mart, first of all, it starts with the fact that Wink Martindale's really good, he and so up. you know he dialed up pressures that that broke the Commanders' rules. So it's like if we do this, they're going to move the slide to the right, and then we're going to bring everybody off the left, and we'll drop everybody off the right, and they'll have five blockers for our five rushers, but they'll be in the wrong places. And some of those come with some tells like the linebacker is on the opposite side of the back. And so if that's the case, the back that like that should be a tell to Taylor to switch the protection like that guy's that guy's coming because if he was in man to man on the back, he'd be aligned with the back. And so those kinds of details where Taylor missed them. If they can get that straightened up in the next game, they'll probably be fine. It's a good learning experience for Taylor. Um, But that's that kind of stuff also hasn't happened a ton this year because Taylor is pretty smart and pretty is in pretty good command of the line of scrimmage it's just that Wink Martindale is really freaking good at his job and so uh Wink was able to get him uh more than a few times on Sunday
2: absolutely man it's it's just it's it's such an interesting conversation i think the giants did i it just from a, a actual game standpoint the giants just did a really you you said it so i'm not going to repeat it too much but but the way they were able to create uh whether it's the free man on the edge or or maybe get a a three-on-one opportunity where Dexter Lawrence is is getting blocked by three people, <laughs> right? Um, and and you got a you got an edge rusher and Kayvon coming coming across uh, Charles Leno and, and Leno is not accounting for him because he has to take on Leonard Williams and like so many different ways and they were able to create that pressure is just uh is just interesting and, and disguising it with the the, the people up front. Um, it, it's just an interesting learning curve moving forward because uh it's it's a a game in two weeks where you can't afford to lose. And the other side of the football is something where um, I, I personally don't think that, I think that the, in the second half, um, I haven't looked at the defensive film yet, but just I, in the second half, I just really think that they did a, a good job once they went down 20 to 13. You um, you' sure there were some missed opportunities from New York, but you gave that, that offense of yours, uh, five straight three and outs, four or five straight three and outs, or not three and outs, but four or five straight punts, excuse me. And like, continuing to to show like what type of caliber defense they are. Craig, in your opinion, uh, on a scale of championship level to, uh, bottom of the barrel, where are you at with the defense in terms of their development this season?
3: If Benjamin St. Juiced is on the field with the rest of these dudes, they're a championship level defense, um, like that's a, a wider swath than some people might realize, because like, if you're that good defensively, your offense doesn't have to be that good. um, and that's kind of what I mean is like that defense is capable of keep winning you pretty much any game. Um, they miss St. juice a ton, a- yeah. and some of the big plays happened. The game they on, yeah, on on Christian Holmes who was replacing him. They went after Danny Johnson a good amount, um, and they miss Cole Holcomb I think really for the first time too. Like some of the scrambles from Jones I think are something where if Holcomb is chasing him not Bostic, then maybe those are not quite as damaging. But at the end of the day, this is still a really good, probably like a high caliber playoff defense. Most weeks, you know, if you want to call them a championship defense, I guess I did. I gave I gave you your headline, Jamal. Um, But I I really I really do think that they're that good up front that when they're on like they can shut teams down. I mean, even on Sunday, right, you have a questionable no call on the OPI where Holmes wants it. That's one of their touchdown drives. Um, I think he's got to fight for the ball more and and kind of earn that call. Um, But by the book, it was offensive pass interference on Darius Slayton. Then their other touchdown drive for New York comes off of the fumble. It's a 20-yard drive. It's a short field. That's an impossible situation for a defense. So outside of that, they did a really good job on Barkley. Most of his yardage comes on draw plays late, which they should have been better on. But still, um, within the flow of the game, so to speak, they did a good job on Barkley. Jones, out. you take out the, the one to Slayton, and he th- throws for like 50 yards on 16 completions or something ridiculous. Yep. Um, like, he he didn't miss, but he also didn't get anywhere. Um, and so I think overall, they played really well. They're missing a super key guy in St. Juice, And I think as long as Sweat is fine, like, they're continuing to go on. I mean, I guess the best way to put it succinctly is they're playing so well, the coaching staff is basically telling Chase Young to stay away. Like, that's really? kind of what's happening right now. It's like, we don't, Ron is telling you, we don't want to mess this up. And we think he could mess it up. And he's Chase Young. So that's kind of your answer.
2: I, I I love that because um, it, it's not even just Rivera. There was a quote from Jack Belreal heading into the Giants game. Now I'm gonna butcher it because it's been a few days and, and I've drunk over the weekend, so you know I'm, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna remember everything that he said. But he essentially alluded to the fact that um, he has told Chase, "Look, all you have to do when you when you're ready, to, when you're actually on that field, you need to come in and do your job, fall in line like everybody else, because essentially, uh, if you do your job, somebody else is gonna eat. And eventually, if you continue to do your job and trust that your teammates will do your job, you will eat." So I think to, to your point, it's, it's very interesting. Like, do you bring Chase Young back knowing that everybody right now, that chemistry is on point? Obviously, of course, number two overall pick, you trust them. He is your playmaker. You expect him to be a game changer. But at the end of the day, I, I don't disagree with anything you said. Like, it's I don't think it's out of the realms of possibility to for them to say, I like what we got going right now. And, and Chase, we love you. But – we can let you heal up the way we're playing.
3: Right. I mean, I do think there's a mental block that he hasn't gotten over as well. Um, but I also wonder if that mental block is he goes out there when he gets out his reps and practice and freelances and Jack and Ron are like, no, we're not, we're not doing this. The hands um, up, like, yeah. Because I mean, <laughs> it's not like James and Casey and FA aren't making plays. And so the question is, could chase make those same plays better? Like, could the pressures that a Casey two Hill gets turn into sacks for chase young? could the tackles for loss that James Smith-Williams gets turn into tackles for loss with a forced fumble from Chase Young because that's the kind of those are the kind of plays that he makes but it's also James sets a great edge and in the run game considering how dominant they've been as a as a run defense if Chase is going to go try to chase a TFL and he's not going to set the edge and they give up a 30-yard gain like that's that's not worth it um down in down out to the play he might make once every 2 weeks i mean it's it's hard though it's close i will say that because yeah, you give that up, but the, the turnovers are what really can be game changing type of plays. Um, so it's tempting, but they've also got to feel comfortable that he's going to make those plays. And, you know, he's passed every physical test. All the data says he's good to go. Doctors have, have signed off. It's, it's a mental thing right now. And, and that's the hardest part, like putting on my, my training hat for a second, if you will, <laughs> like being able to train an athlete to not think about it, to, to really trust it and just go play is the hardest thing. And then the, the, from a physical standpoint burst is the last thing to come back, like true explosiveness. And so that's going to continue to take him getting these reps and ultimately getting into a game and kind of playing himself in a game shape over the course of weeks to, to be that effective. So I don't know. We'll see. I, I tend to think we'll see him against the giants, but if we don't, I I'm then probably going to predict. We don't see him at all this season.
2: Uh, I'm aligned with that thoughts. I, I see giants as well. Um, and and then we'll see. Uh, but here's here's the thing. Speaking of after this bye week, I, I would say what they need. I think they need to run the table in order to, to ensure. I mean, obviously, ensure themselves a spot to the playoffs. They're in the, they're in the AFC right now. But but what do you think it takes for them to get the playoff bid? What how many games uh, minimum do they need to win in order? Or excuse me, how many games can they not lose? I guess is probably I guess the inverse uh, in order to to make the playoffs. Is it is it one? Can they can they get away with two or Cause I don't think things is looking too sweet after this on, on the back end, the way they played against New York. Yeah.
3: I, I think if they go two and two, they might get in. I might. think if they go three and one, they're definitely in. Obviously okay. they go four. and No, oh, there's a hundred percent chance they're in. Um, the fact that one of those games is against New York is incredibly helpful. And, you know, also don't forget like New York has Philly this week. So yep. that is very helpful as well. Um, you know, San Francisco now has Brock Purdy at quarterback, which somehow doesn't make that game feel a lot better. Like San Francisco is the game that scares the daylights out of me. Although I'm with you. it it scares me less without Jimmy because I look at San Francisco as better Atlanta. They're way better defensively. They are as effective running the football, and they have a passing game. Um, and Atlanta and they was, have Kyle Shanahan, yeah. And Atlanta <laughs> was a get by by the skin of your teeth scenario, so. Yeah. San Francisco still scares the living daylights out of me. Um, and that's the game that I was kind of have circled is like, that's the game. Taylor's going to have four turnovers. Um, and so um, Cleveland, I don't know what to make of. And I hate talking about him because Deshaun is the worst. Um, and then Dallas, Dallas, like that's also a wild card because what if they're like, hey, we'll take a bye week. We're in. We're going to start Cooper Rush and Cincinnati e. for and the once he... Or they could be playing for the one seed. Like who knows? That, that's a great point too. They could be, you know, fighting for a buy. So um, that's a total wild card game. I, it, obviously, the most important one's New York. You get that, and yeah. you're in you're in good shape. Um, and then it's just a matter of, you know, I think, I think this picture will be a lot clearer after this weekend when we see what everyone else does. Cause at this point, we don't know if the tie ultimately winds up being a good thing because they didn't lose or a bad thing. Cause they didn't win. Winning would have been the best, but it could wind up just, just not losing could be the half game they need to get in the playoffs. And we just, we just don't know yet.
2: Last thing for you, Craig. And, and again, I appreciate you joining me today. Where, where are you at? I don't know where you were actually. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know or maybe i forget. i don't know where you <laughs> were on um the coaching staff like in the mm-hmm. midst of that downhill thing and and maybe that may have skewed your original opinion, but what was your original opinion i guess is probably the fairest thing to say. what is your original opinion of the coaching staff heading into the season, but then secondly, as things have evolved to this point, has it changed at all?
3: Um not really. Um i thought They were kind of screwed in the beginning of the season because I didn't feel like Scott was up for the task and they didn't really have a replacement. But what they've done is been able to kind of put Scott in a box, and he's been a lot better once they put him in the box. They've given him this structure as opposed to saying, hey, Scott, you can do anything. You that, man. Yeah, well, thank Logan because he, he did a good job <laughs> describing this yesterday. I just get This is what happens, Jamal. I do the podcast with him. Then I go do a radio show and other podcasts and, and other TV appearances and stuff, and I just regurgitate what Logan guys said, are and, and everyone's like, man, you're oh, so oh, smart. Dude. I'm like, yeah, look at me. So smart listening and regurgitating, but it, it's so true. And, 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 you know, I, I sometimes will fancy up Logan's points a little bit. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, the structure they've given him to say like, you're going to run the football and then everything you do is off of that has made him better. What Ron has implemented as a head coach has made Scott a better OC. Uh, that's a direct quote from Logan. And I, I agree with that assessment. Um, Over the long term, I still don't know. Like, some of the situational play calling drives me bonkers. I still don't know, once he's off plan, if he can make the in-game adaptations to be a great OC. He's fine. I think he's had a good eight weeks, like a very good eight weeks. There's a three or four-game stretch in here where I was, like, on my show, being like, hey, yo, y'all need to give Scott Turner credit. He's on a heater right now. Um, And it kind of came to an end, I guess, on Sunday a little bit. But Ron, as a head coach is it's circumstantial he's gonna be here because the ownership situation is going to prevent them from being changed and that I never really got past that like I guess in the earlier in the season. So like my original opinion was it's going to depend on the ownership situation now we know the ownership situation because it's not going to transfer power assuming that it does until uh March where the owners meetings happen it's past the head coach hiring season. You're too close to the draft. You're just going to have to do essentially what David Tepper did, which is inherit Ron Rivera and decide some point next year. If he's the guy, then keep him. And if not, then 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 you move on. Um, but that's kind of, I think, where they are. And it's unfortunate. It's circumstantial in that way. Yeah. Um, but I do think that they probably make a change at OC this offseason. I could see Jack leaving as well. And then, you know, question is who would, who would ultimately replace him and, you know, what changes would they make uh coming up this offseason as well
2: yeah I, I i was laughing midway through because it's like it is so unfortunate for ron to be in the same exact position and that he was wild, a couple bro. years ago the same exact one and, and it's like it's, it's deja vu all over again for him <laughs> it, yeah. it's, it's crazy um okay Craig, again, like I said, I appreciate you, but I I want you to get to the floor, let the people know where they can find you. Anything that you got going on, boss man, that I haven't talked about, uh, the floor is yours.
3: Biggest thing for me right now, I'm trying to get the YouTube numbers going a little bit. Uh, People seem to really enjoy the content on there, slash if you're watching on YouTube, on here. Uh, So at Craig Hoffman on YouTube, uh, we post uh, some clips from the radio show, uh, which you can listen to live three to six on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. They would like me to tell you that it's the free Odyssey app, by the way, Jamal. Uh, And then- it makes
2: me feel like it's going to be a charge down the line. It scares uh, me when I hear that. Yeah, I'll, I'll pass that on to the marketing folks. Hey, we should stop <laughs> telling people it's
3: free. It's it's a mobile app. They probably figured that. Now, uh, are they, is it in-app purchases? No, it's just it's just free. Uh, and then, uh, obviously, we have the Take Command podcast as well with Logan, uh, which is available pretty much everywhere you get your podcast. We post a bunch of those clips, and, and it, we've actually started posting full episodes as well on YouTube, on my page, on 106.7, the fan's page, and on the Odyssey Sports page as well.
1: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $129 each, then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $249 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon.